teams and individuals will naturally inherit the traits of their leader, both good and bad. So if you never take time off and you are always working late and sending late messages and early morning messages, your team is going to naturally do the same thing. You never explicitly said you have to work as much as I do, and you probably even told them you don't have to work as much as I do, but they're going to see that behavior and they're going to model it because that's what teams do. Hi, I'm Nell Spinya, and you're listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast, a show dedicated to demystifying leadership development one conversation at a time. Each week, I sit down with leaders in the B2B space to discuss their journey and what they've learned along the way. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous, and the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard, you just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be. Hello and welcome to another episode of the B2B Leadership Podcast. My name is Nils Binya and today I'm talking about how leaders retain their best employees. Now, in my very first job out of undergrad, I was super excited to go to work for this company. So excited that I even signed a letter of agreement with them nine months before I actually started. And the first month of my employment was spent in Chicago where they put us through an entire month of extensive training. It was wonderful. When I interviewed with everybody, there was this incredible culture of camaraderie and just great people. And then when I went to Chicago and that was the headquarters, I met more wonderful people, not just in my recruitment class, but also the employees that lived and worked in Chicago. And so I was flying to the moon that this was the first job out of undergrad. And I was so excited. I was just driven. I was ready to do whatever it take and just go to town. A couple months later, things were going really well until one big change came. I got a new boss. They put in place a new boss who they hired from the outside. It was not somebody from within the company. And this new boss of my department, who I ended up working directly for, was a complete culture shock. He was exactly the opposite of everybody else in the company. And I didn't understand how I could go through one recruitment process and see all kinds of great camaraderie and teamwork and culture and have that process produce me who's very well aligned with that but also produce somebody else who is 100% not aligned with it. I suppose this individual had some great connections in the work that we did and there was a large part of that that played peace in him getting hired. A couple months after working for this individual I felt a tremendous amount of resentment not just at him but also at my company And here I was just a couple months before riding high and just super excited and everything changed what felt like so fast. It was almost like it was overnight. took several months, but I saw at that point just how important the alignment with culture is, how important leadership is, how important it is to understand the ramifications of what happens when you put somebody in place in a leadership position who does not embody the company culture or the team environment or do anything that looks like the rest of the organization. 
And ultimately, I spent a relatively short period of time in this organization. So the real cost of my employment there was not just the time and the salary that they paid me, which arguably was relatively small, given the fact that I was a new employee into the workforce, but they had also put me up in Chicago for a month of training, paid for me to be there. They had invested heavily and I left. And ultimately they had to eat that cost. This story highlighted for me just how important employee retention is, just how important it is to retain the best employees. And it showed me some of the key things to watch out for. The red flags that I look for in future positions was namely <laughs> how well aligned is my boss with the rest of the organization and the, how well aligned am I with the culture? Because if there's alignment there, great things can happen. But when there's not, it can cost a tremendous amount of money, time, effort, and energy. Gallup, the research organization, did some research recently and came out and found that 50% of the workforce in the United States is psychologically detached from their work. 50%, one in two people inside your organization are psychologically detached from the work. The real cost of this psychological detachment, as estimated by Gallup, is $500 billion per year. $500 billion per year with a B. That is an enormous amount of money. He noted, this is Jim Harder, the chief scientist for Gallup's workplace and well-being research who came to this conclusion, noted that the decline in employee engagement is related to clarity of expectations, opportunities to learn and grow, feeling cared about, and a connection to the organization's mission or purpose. And this all signaled this incredible growing disconnect between employees and employers. I read this and I came across this. I thought, wait a second, clarity of expectations, opportunities to learn and grow, feeling cared about, connection to the organization's mission and purpose. That's all the job of leaders. So what this research is really saying is that U.S employers are losing $500 billion per year because there is a gross lack of leadership skills in their organizations. This is not my assumption. This is not my hypothesis. This is directly put forward by Jim Harder, chief scientist for Gallup's workplace and well-being research. And this underscores my story and the old adage that employees leave bosses, not companies. I would have gladly stayed at that consulting firm for many years because I really truly enjoyed the work had it not been for that boss. But at the time I couldn't get over myself and my frustrations and I wasn't as mature as I am now. Maybe I reacted a little too quickly, but it was such a visceral experience that I had to make a change and I wasn't willing to settle for anything less than what I was sold. Employees leave bosses not companies. And listening to this, you probably have an experience that you could think of right now where you left a boss, you did not leave a company. I'd be willing to bet that you've got an experience like that. We all do. Because again, 50% of the US workforce is psychologically detached from their work. That includes leaders. If your leader is psychologically detached, there's no point. Today's topic of how leaders retain their best employees, I'm going to dig into four key areas growth, environment, compensation, and recognition. The first area we're going to focus on is growth. When I was a VP a number of years ago, we were a fast-growing organization. This company was funded by some very well-known venture capital firms. 
had experienced tremendous, almost hockey stick-like growth. And I came in as a VP of customer success and was hiring my team. There were some people there at the beginning, but then I had to hire several new team members very, very quickly. And as a result, one of the things that always falls by the wayside is the onboarding program for new employees. In startups and in fast-growing environments, typically we hire people, we throw them into the deep end, and they figure it out. Well, I knew this wasn't really going to be the best approach, but I also didn't have time or people to necessarily build out this onboarding program. One of the hires I made, I found out that her background actually was in education. And long ago, she was a teacher. And when we were first getting to know each other, I asked her about some of the things that she really wanted to do, some of the things that she was passionate about. And education and teaching was still a really big part of her life and what she wanted to do. So when there was an opportunity to redo or actually build from scratch largely, our onboarding program for new employees, I offered it to her as an opportunity to take on a growth project, something that was completely outside the scope of the role that she was hired for, but I had a feeling she'd be interested given her prior background. And she jumped at the chance to set this up. And she went to town and absolutely delivered a phenomenal onboarding program that became a gold standard inside the entire company, not just in our department. Even though she didn't technically have time to do this, even though she did not technically have to do this as part of her job description, even though she didn't sign up to do this, it was something that she took on 100% and was passionate about and just delivered an incredible result. What I did in this example was get to know somebody on a personal level, understand their background, understand their interests. And then when there was an opportunity for them to flex on that interest in that background, I immediately made the option available to them and made it an offer. I said, would you like to do this? And she said, yes, thankfully, because we would have been in a lot of trouble if she hadn't. It was not required. It was not something that I mandated. It was a growth opportunity, but it only made sense because it was well aligned with her background. So I had to do that work first and find the right way to use the strengths that she had. Had we not gone down this path, we probably would have onboarded several more people in a less than stellar fashion. And that contributes in large part to how they view the inner workings of the organization and our department, but also the company as a whole. So providing growth opportunity doesn't mean that you look for people who have time. That's the absolute wrong way to look for it. If I just waited till somebody on my team had time and then they were looking for something to do and I said, hey, we have to redo our onboarding program. Do you want to do it? Like that would result in a far less superior outcome than what I got by engaging this employee when they didn't have time. But you know what? She did it because she had a passion for it. That's where growth focus comes from, from a leadership perspective. You understand the strengths and the natural talents and the background of your team and your employees, and you leverage those strengths and background and expertise to accomplish everything you need to do. But it's not going to be written in a nice little doc that says, here's how to leverage everybody. You have to go out and find these answers. You have to go out and find these opportunities. Then you can present them just as I did. You have to be in control and be looking for this. If you don't know the true strengths and natural talents of the individuals on your team to the point where you could have a conversation with me and say, 
here are the strengths of this person, this person, this person, this person, etc. For everybody on your team, you've got work to do. You're not going to be able to really offer them growth opportunities that are truly in line with what they want and what their skill set is. You're going to be chasing things all over the place and focusing on time rather than strengths, which will always deliver a suboptimal output as opposed to focusing on strengths and natural talents. You have to focus on growth. Growth for the individuals on your team. Now, there's of course an element of growth for you, but that's not really the focus of today's episode. This is all about how you retain the best employees. And the best employees are those who are in roles that maximize their strengths and have opportunities in order to engage their expertise and go above and beyond what is asked and what is required. The next area we're going to cover is the environment that you create as a leader and the role it plays in retaining your best employees. My good friend, Jackie Ferguson, she's a diversity, equity, and inclusion expert. I've been a guest on her podcast. She's been a guest on this podcast, talks a lot about and wrote an entire book called The Inclusive Language Handbook. And inclusivity to her really means an environment where people feel safe feel free and open to be themselves, to share their ideas without fear of something coming back for something that they share. And it's really important to create an inclusive, open environment in today's day and age because we work with more cultures, more people, more countries, more ethnicities than we ever have before. Just this week, I've been on calls with people from the Philippines, from Egypt, from South Africa, from the United States, from Canada, and even Mexico. And just in one week, getting a chance to experience different cultures and different perspectives with all of those people has been amazing, but it doesn't come without thinking about the responsibility that I have up front to create an inclusive environment where everyone, no matter where in the world they're from, feels safe there. And so the environment that you create as a leader plays a big part, and the language that you use as a leader plays an enormous part. I worked for an organization many years ago that let's just say was not the most inclusive environment. And it had a really significant impression on me and it took a very significant toll on me personally and professionally to the point where I ultimately left this organization. And the environment was a big part of that reason for leaving. It was not conducive to my best work. I could not be successful in that environment and ultimately I left. Again, organization was on the hook for all the money they invested in me from a recruiting perspective, from a compensation perspective, from a training perspective, and all of it went out the window in large part because of the environment that was created by the leaders. Another element that comes into creating a great environment is the balance between work and life outside of work. And this can be a really tricky area because there is no one perfect answer or recipe for how to set up your work-life balance. So I'm not even going to attempt to try to tell you what to do. Here's what I will say. I would ask you to look at the language that you're using and the actions that you're taking. For example, if you tell your team that they need to be balanced and they should take time off and they should go on vacation and whatnot. However, you don't do those things, then you're missing a massive opportunity to live up to your word. And your team is going to recognize that you say one thing and do another. And the interesting thing is that teams and individuals will naturally inherit the traits of their leader, both good and bad. 
So if you never take time off and you are always working late and sending late messages and early morning messages, your team is going to naturally do the same thing. You never explicitly said you have to work as much as I do. And you probably even told them you don't have to work as much as I do, but they're going to see that behavior and they're going to model it because that's what teams do. When we look up to leaders, we naturally inherit their behaviors. So in terms of creating an environment that has a healthy balance, because remember, leadership is a long-term game, our careers are a long-term game, and you want to retain the best employees over the long-term, whether they work directly for you or another part of your organization, you're helping them learn and grow. And balance is a really important piece of that. So getting to understand what is important to them can definitely help, but demonstrating your balance and how you shape that is a really great model for other people to see. And if you don't want balance, that's fine, but know that you can't tell your team to take a break when you never do. It's just not going to happen. You're not going to see the end results. So the environment is critically important that you create as a leader and it's going to help you retain your best employees. The third area we're going to look at is compensation. Now, a key takeaway here is that compensation is not always the most important thing to focus on, but everyone thinks it is. Now, I went to work for an organization many years ago and I took a 55-0% pay cut to go to work for this company and for this boss to do this job. And the reason I took a 50% pay cut, half my compensation from my previous job was just gone, was because of the opportunity to learn and grow. And I wanted that skill set that I was going to get in that job so bad that I was willing to do whatever it took and cut whatever corners were necessary in my personal life as well in order to put myself in a position to work for that company in that role for that leader. And it was a great experience. That's a case where I literally cut my salary in half and was exceptionally happy. In that example, I was the driver. I made the choice to cut my salary in half to go get a skill set that I didn't have. Now, in a leadership position, you are in control of a large part of your employee's compensation. And I believe firmly that people need to be fairly compensated for their work that they do, regardless of background, age, race, gender, ethnicity, anything. They need to be fairly complicated. So that's just table stakes. But there are going to be employees and there are going to be situations where you as a leader need to fight for the compensation right of your employees. I had a client recently who went to bat for two employees in their organization. Now, these employees had been treated a certain way, had then taken on a significant increase in responsibilities and were not being appropriately recognized by the organization. That was the determination from my client. And my client went to bat for these two. These two had no knowledge of what was going on behind the scenes. But my client was having meetings upon meetings upon meetings to convince the organization of the level of value that these two employees were delivering. And ultimately, through a lot of stress and a lot of turmoil and a lot of challenge and a lot of capital using, was able to get them an appropriate increase to reflect their role and responsibilities now. And the organization had such a hard time with this that it completely changed her perspective on some of those dealings. But you know what? 
once the employees found out about what had to happen and that they got to this compensation increase and adjustment, and it was solely because of their boss, they were more committed than ever because they knew they had somebody in their corner. They knew they had somebody who had their back. And that was not something they had ever experienced before. In this moment, my client completely changed the trajectory, both personally and professionally, of the lives of these employees. And that was wonderful. It helped her feel incredibly accomplished, but it also helped these employees be committed not just to her, but to the organization. So I'm not saying you have to go around and promote everybody and dole out lots of money to everyone to get them to be committed, but when there is a discrepancy in relationship between the responsibilities and the compensation, you have to fight for what's right. That is one of the most powerful ways you are going to keep your best employees because they will know that you always have their back. The last area we're going to talk about when it comes to how leaders retain their best employees is recognition. And this is one of the most important areas because we feel good when we get recognized. One of my clients a while back set up a team identity. They did work to come together as a team, define their team identity, what it meant to be part of that team, a set of core values, all the good stuff that I teach in the B2B Leaders Academy. And so they had this team and they wanted to embody these values in everything they do. So they decided to create recognition awards for each of the core values. And every quarter, their employees could nominate people for who best upheld that value. And this was a really powerful strategy because one, it got people to nominate their peers, but two, it made everybody aware all the time of the values. And this was just a great way to integrate values and identity work into their organization. This was a quarterly thing. The actual gift or the actual recognition, aside from the award itself, was very small. It was a little plaque. But what it meant was so much more. But sometimes we think only thing that people want to get recognized for is more money, or at least that's the topic that always comes up, a promotion or an increase in a raise. The reality is it doesn't have to be that way. People value things differently. Not everybody values money the same way. But what's really important is understanding what is important to your team, to your employees, and then finding ways to recognize them for their incredible performance and incredible support of this group that has come together. You need to recognize and reward the performance that you want to see more of. And don't be afraid to get creative. There is nothing like coming up with something unique and something different as a way to recognize people, sometimes even just giving feedback is an incredibly powerful recognition tool, but it has to be feedback given in the right way. Do not go down the path of great job and think that that's enough recognition or that's effective feedback. In another podcast episode I just released, we talked about how to deliver effective feedback. Follow that formula and you'll be recognizing your team for the great performance that you've seen that you want to see more of. So wrapping up the four main areas we've talked about today for how leaders can retain their best employees are growth, and think of this as growth opportunities for your employees, the environment in which you create, the compensation. Remember, it's not always the most important thing, but it is critical to have fair compensation and always be willing to go to bat for your employees, and recognition. Everybody wants to be recognized. Everybody wants to feel special and feel unique. Find creative ways to offer recognition. It doesn't always have to come in the form of compensation. So these 
employee engagement strategies are going to help you retain your best employees. And remember that research from Gallup that found that 50% of the U.S. workforce is psychologically detached from their work, meaning they don't care what happens on a day-to-day -day basis. Half the people in your company are in that position right now. And if you're a leader and you're feeling psychologically detached from your work, you're going to have an adverse impact on the people you lead. And that is not something that you want to do. So if you focus on these four areas and come up with creative ways and angles and different strategies and programs to put in place, you can retain your best employees and you can save some of that $500 billion a year that's being wasted as a result of this psychological detachment that Gallup found in their research. Remember, employee engagement they found was declining because of a lack of clarity of expectations, lack of opportunities to learn and grow, lack of feeling cared about, and a lack of connection to the organization's mission and purpose. Those things are the job of leaders. There's no reason why any leader should be in a position where they don't feel 100% confident being able to deliver on those areas. If you're in a position now where some of that is uncertain or you're not sure how to move forward from a leadership's perspective in any way, shape, or form, I encourage you to get in touch. Send me an email at nils, N-I-L-S, at b2bleadersacademy.com. That's the letter B, number two, letter B, leadersacademy.com. Or if you like, go ahead to b2bleadersacademy.com forward slash demo to find out how the B2B Leaders Academy brings together content, community, and coaching to empower you with the tools to confidently handle any situation and retain your best employees. Until next time, take care and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the B2B Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd welcome you to subscribe and give the show a five-star review. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at b2bleadershippodcast.com. As always, I'm Nils Vinya, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Take care and have a great rest of your day. This podcast is brought to you by the B2B Leaders Academy. The cost of not consistently developing your leadership skills is enormous. And the B2B Leaders Academy features monthly leadership training and live coaching. Being a great leader isn't hard. You just need a guide and the right set of tools. So head on over to b2bleadersacademy.com to join and become the leader you have always wanted to be.